Hello, and welcome to another horror review. I'm joined once again by Steve as we continue our journey along the Amicus series of anthology films. Tonight we are discussing Asylum. Released in 1972, the film tells the story of a doctor who, whilst trying to secure a job at an asylum, must interview a series of patients. Uh, there's no budgetary information about this, so I don't know if it did well or not, which is a bit strange, so we'll pretend it was... We'll pretend it did well because um, yeah. this one wasn't too bad. I actually quite liked it. It was it was it was better than the, the following two, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah, we we struggled with those. That was that was hard work. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I I would love to see just just what it done, and you know, because um, it's this it's like I said to you, the, the stories in it were really original, and. Any horror fan really would have snapped it up as uh, you know, back even back then. Um, yeah, and it turns out I've seen this before and I hadn't realised. Yeah. I was still got about halfway through and I got started getting my suspicions. Yeah. I'm like, hang on a minute, I know what's going on here. And then the laugh at the end, I'm like, I have seen this. Yes, I've yeah. I've seen it. Mm. And then I'm going, Oh my god, am I am I losing my marbles? How how can I forget stuff like this? Yeah. Then I realize I've just doing this series and reviewing these movies has just made me realize how much I've watched without actually taking anything in over my life. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I might have seen it because um, it's like I said to you, beyond from Beyond the Grave, I watched all those years ago when it, it was featured on uh, the BBC Two Saturday night mm-hmm. triple double bill as they used to show. And it was on there, and it always stuck in my mind about the the one with the mirror, and that's that's how this started, as we yeah. know. Um, and so I might have seen them. Um, a, I was probably too young to remember, but B, um, you know, um, I've seen so many that uh, one might... tends to blend into the other. That's the thing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um... but this this one. Whereas the other two were um, like Tales of the Crypt and Vault of Horror, um, they were a different style of of film to this one. This one um, just had an element of Britishness about it, even though it was written by Robert Block, who was American, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's an American writer. Yeah, um, Creator of yeah. Psycho, by the way, for those that don't know. Um, yeah. And I highly recommend you read, actually reading the book of Psycho 2 is amazing. I actually prefer it to Psycho 1. Oh, traitor. What? The book? Oh, the, no, the... Oh, I thought you meant the, the film. No, 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 no. The book is actually better. <laughs> uh, Honestly, because right. it, uh, he, he's, we're actually in um, Norman Bates's head. Mm. And there's another series of murders going on. And they're interviewing him while he's there. And mm. and, and asylum himself. It's a, uh, it just works. Yeah. The way he wrote the book, the the second one. Um, no, the films, obviously, the original Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock, you know, can't get better. Oh, you can't beat it. Can but, uh, um, yeah. Uh, so Robert Block wrote this this one as well, and I thought he'd mm. done very, very well. Um, I, I loved it. And, I mean, the I loved all the see, all the stories, but um, the, the one that stuck out was the Taylor one, which we'll discuss later. Mm-hmm. Um, that's proper folklore. Yeah. Like yeah. that other's um uh any folktale, that one uh wouldn't be a mess. It was just in the modern setting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
let's start. Apparently, this is the last one. So we've got because we're going backwards in time because obviously we we came at it the wrong way. Um, this was the last one written by Robert Block. Apparently, so he's done some more. So we'll have to keep an eye out to see which ones he's written. Yeah, but I think yeah. only two movies left to do. Is the House of Drip Blood and and uh, Murder Island or something or yeah. Hmm. We have two, maybe three left to do. Yeah, we'll have a lot later. Anthologies. But Amicus also produced movies. And I think he may have written some of them. So we'll, uh, there's obviously a bit of a story there, but this is the last one and significant. I know. So something happened. Hmm. So he's involved. But I don't think it matters your national. If you're a good writer and you're a good universal writer, it doesn't matter. No. You know, it can. It's the ones that are very um, maybe we look alike. Some they stick on this exactly the same theme, and you can tell what's going to happen. Um, you know, when I find you know some of the sorry, Chris, the Star Wars films, especially the 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 newest ones in nineteen ninety seven. Except you, you could just guess what was going to happen, and uh, really George Lucas just failed on that. But um, this 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 one was different to, and Robert Block done very well on this. Mm-hmm. Um, to you know these tales from the crypt and um, vault of horror. It was, but as we could... talked about, um, they're different mediums. That they're just two styles that don't mix. Yeah. Go and yeah. look at a Tales from the Crypt comic. You know, it's all it's um, ghost train horror. You know, it's Halloween horror. Yeah, that's the style. And Amicus are trying to copy the Hammer formula, mm. and the two just don't gel. You know, it's just not a not a happy union. No, mm. but uh, yeah, but this is just straight out. You know, this is just a straight out story. Um, and also, it was better. The way the story was gelled together, rather than just let's shove people into mm. a room and have them tell stories and pretend there's a link. Yeah, there's a sense of purpose for us. Yeah, yeah. That's um. If you can tell who the doctor is, you've got the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that's, that's a brilliant. So the, the doctor Martin arrives and um, yeah, it's just weird. Like having super traumatic music and he's all he's doing is driving up to the gate you yeah know, calm down keep that for uh an actual uh, <laughs> uh yeah a dramatic part um yeah but and, we'll find out why they're, they're using um public domain music so basically they're cheapskating yeah. and just using for using stuff they're not going to get sued and get for free yeah. <laughs> and you're like yeah but at least pick something Robert Powell was really one of the main characters, but if you look on the the list um, of of uh, you know the cast list at the beginning, he was he was more or less near the bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, I thought sure Patrick McGee, he was the um, the doctor in the wheelchair. Yeah, and I, t- I took me a minute to recognise him. I'm like looking, going, yeah. I was going, where's Patrick McGee? And then all oh, right, there he is, flip the hell. Yeah. But it had a brilliant cast, really. You, know, you had mm-hmm. Patrick, Jeffrey Bowden, who was in the next one, um, mm-hmm. who I, I told you was Cat Weasel. Um, he was in it. He was um, 
the the one who done it, the um, what's he called, Doctor Star? Star. Yeah. yeah, who was Max? Who was whatever? Um, he was he was that one. So uh, yeah, he was in it. Um, Sylvia Sims, Patrick McGee, um, Peter uh, Ackland. Yeah. No, Brett Ackland was it? Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's quite a cast, a good British cast, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, he arrives at this uh, asylum, and okay, here's your job interview. Our the last doctor went boogaloo. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> he, 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 lost, he lost the plot. So what we did is we just locked him upstairs. Um, <laughs> you're gonna do five interviews. You know, if you pick which one's Doctor Star, you've got the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they them got them got another doctor in the same, yeah. They <laughs> just dumped him yeah. upstairs. Just fucked them up. <sighs> best way. Um, yeah, and you're like uh oh, brilliant. oh by the way, this is based on Robert Block's short story, Home Away from Home. Right. Didn't know. So that. Uh, have a look that up. Yeah. Um I I thought at first, I thought, well, this was made in 1972. When were asylums actually done away with? And do you know they were still going up until 1986? Sure, look at um, look at uh, the 80s. Yeah. Um, look at so social services was like the freaking Gestapo. Yeah. Yeah. Look at um, look at what's going on now. Well, back where I am from, the historical abuse inquiry is still going on. Yeah. And people are still getting because of the the. Absolute crap it was done. And also don't forget, this was uh the UK got the tail end of what was known as the satanic panic over in America. Mm. So people were getting locked up, you know, there was a satanic cult hiding behind every bush. In fact, we're talking yeah. about this on Sunday, but you know, there was a ma absolute mania. It's like today, you know, everyone's an alt-right Nazi estophobe hiding behind every bush, and everyone's got that mania. You know, the same mania was in the 80s, but it was the other side, you know. Uh for yeah. sake. Um they, um, I hate people. I really can't be bothered with people. They annoy me. The um, there were two asylums um, about well, it was about fifteen miles away from where I lived in Plymouth, and there were two asylums up there. I won't mention them, um, but they're now they they were sold um, when asylums went out, and they're now luxury flats or luxury apartments. You well, know? there was one up the road for me, but they changed the name. I can't remember what it was called. And then there was a bigger one, um, about twenty miles away. It was a big, big near one. It was out in the sticks. So if the somebody escaped, they were like in the farmers' fields, weren't getting anywhere. Yeah, that was more. Oh, these were in the middle, absolute middle of nowhere. And um, you know, I we I I remember because um, my sister's best friend's mother was actually admitted to to one of them, and we had to Even go over. And, welcome on board. We had to go and visit her. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was there nicking all the daffodils in the garden. <laughs> but yeah, the Yiddies was shocking. Yeah. And that was kind of, I think that's where, um, I think it's a fallback from the Yiddies why the pendulum swung so far the other way that everyone's mollycoddled because if you were anyway, um, even just a bit of an oddball, you had every chance of getting locked up. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, kids as well getting taken off their parents you know social services were not a current organization no no they uh well, if, bad if man you, absolutely bad yeah 
we, you know, you got the kids' homes, haven't you? When they used to smack them and. Um, yeah, as I said, we have. I mean, the historical abuse inquiry is still going on for stuff yeah. happened in the eighties, and um, I'm not naming it either because there's a particular place in Northern Ireland that's famous, like world famous. Yeah, because people were getting helicoptered in for parties. Yeah, to play with the residents, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> um. I worked in a legal place and I got to see some of the case files. And I mean, this thing had its own storage room of yeah. boxes. And of course, I was helping to move a few boxes to somewhere else because it was happening. And of course, one of them happened to fall, you know, accidentally fall open in front of you. Yeah. You know what happens? I go, oops, dropped the yeah. Oh, oops, it fell over. Oh, right. Okay. Two <laughs> pages later, it's like, no, yeah, don't need to read that. that. That's, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that was this. Um, this does represent, and I think uh, Dr. Martin actually was a good a wee bit of a social commentary on this one. Mm. But unlike today, you're not getting smacked around the head with it. You know, this was the you know, the sort of question is, is this the right thing to do for patients? Yeah. Because, like we said, Dr. Starr was just dumped upstairs. And that at the end, doesn't he, um, Robert Powell's character comes down and, and shows his disgust at the way the patients are treated. Yeah. And and um, the guy goes, Wallace couldn't care less. He's just, oh, well, tough, you know, put yeah, up with it. Sort of what do you want us to do? Give him therapy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it. So he goes upstairs um, and he meets Maxi orderly. Yeah. It was funny the way, uh, oh, God, I didn't put down the name of the guy, I forget. Uh, what was it? Wasn't Baron who? Uh... It was Bonnie first, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I mean the doctor downstairs, Patty McGee's character. Yeah, uh... I remember his name. Uh, not important. But yeah, he sends him upstairs. Max meets him, but he does the intercom first. Right now, listen to me very carefully. You didn't yeah. need that bit because you'd have briefed him before. You know, if this was going to be a test. Yeah. It was a weird, a bit of a strange thing, but anyway, I glossed over it. Dr. Rutherford. Rutherford, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Max meets him at the door. I mean, it's all, no, sorry, I can't tell you. Yeah, but it, it just goes to prove there how the main doctor, Dr. Rutherford, didn't go upstairs because if... If he had gone up to see the patients, he would have noticed that um, straight away. Know, but also, that wasn't Max. How did he not know from the intercom? Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose you could have argued that the sort of you know this crackly intercom, but yeah, that was, <laughs> or, yeah. yeah uh, I suppose you could. Um, this movie, though, this is all told from the perspective of the unreliable narrator. It's from the perspective of the patients. Mm. So with that, at least we can take it all with a pinch of salt. Where the other ones reviewed are very, like, why is this happening? And you're just scratching your head because the logic centers just don't engage. No. At least with this, you know you're not getting a true accounting. And it's going to be twisted so you can forgive a lot. Yeah. You, you have to guess what really happened. Yeah, and how much is fantasy, how much is reality. So I actually bought into that. 
Yeah. And I was able to, I wasn't annoyed by things, some things you were annoyed by. And I was like, well, it's a patient tell it. So, like I said, you know, um, if you look at it in, in the first segment, when uh, Bonnie says that she whacked her face with the with the um, axe, you know? Yep, yeah, but um, did she? All she had was scratches. So, if yeah, she had so gone like that, it would have hacked her skull apart probably. yeah but that's what that's what i mean the unreliable narrator Ooh. so we'll start off with bonnie and she, uh, it's the first story frozen fear and you know straight away that you're not going to get a, a true telling you're going to get her version yeah and you're going to get her version through whatever mania she has mm. and as a bonnie or as a doctor star that's a whole yeah. thing as well so are we getting multiple personalities a personality upon a personality telling the story of you know so you've got all that sort of led those foundations led before the story begins. So you can kind of go, right, this isn't going to be logical and you can forgive it. Yeah. And that was all done what within five minutes before the first story. Yeah. Uh, and you already had that led up. So I was better prepared. Where the other two, oh, right, a few people just turn up and then start telling stories. There's, you know, yeah. no context. Nothing. No. Nothing. Well, yeah. Oh, we're in a cellar or a vault yeah. thing, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, that's what I mean. And there's absolutely no context. Then people just start unloading stories. And it's like this doesn't make sense. This, however, does well the first five minutes and just lays it all up, mm. and you're ready. And I definitely appreciate it more. It, it even uh, sets the the sort of atmosphere when he's walking up the stairs and he sees all those pictures of of an asylum. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, well, the they, treatments, treatments of medieval treatments, yeah, yeah. and it, so it sets the scene there. And um, even though it wasn't medieval times, some of the um things that they were using, um, treatments were near on um, medieval, you know, when locking them away and mm -hmm. forgetting about them and uh, lobotomizing, and you know, it's just a it's almost the first option, yeah. Yeah, you you got this all. That's what I mean. In the first five minutes, this thing lays the whole scene, and you're yeah. ready, and you you know you're going into a story, and mm. it wasn't hard to do. It didn't cost anything. It just cost a bit of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, because I think why I keep making this point over and over again is modern movies always talk about the budget, and the reason their movie failed because of the budget. Mm. And you're like, no, it's not. It's storytelling. Yeah, you, you tell a good story and you'll get people hooked. Yeah, you don't tell a good story and guess what? People switch off and then they start nitpicking because they're annoyed. But there's also the other way. You don't need a big budget as long as you get a good story. Yeah, that's um, that's the point of making. You you, you you just got to have that storytelling that the people can attach themselves to and uh, and think, oh, this is this is good. Dialogue's good. Yep. Script is good. Um, you know, and uh, you've got a good director give, telling a good, telling that good story. Yeah, and then a lot of things will get forgiven. But when you don't have a good story, then people start getting in and they pick and go, well, God, look at the costume, look at this, look at that. Because you know, they're annoyed. You've set their minds up by not not engaging them with the story. So their minds are like already agitated and, then, and they're looking for things The same happened in this first sketch because you know what I'm like with noticing mistakes and... Mm -hmm. He hacked his wife up into all those pieces, didn't he? Arms, legs, torso, yep. uh, head. 
What is it about the seventies that there wasn't one speck of blood anywhere? Not even it was very efficient. But um, (laughs) what is it about the seventies that people just didn't have affairs? That their affairs had to end up in elaborate plots? Like this is the third affair we've watched, and they're like, you know, deviousness and yeah, it's crazy. It's like what happened to one night stand? Yeah, I mean, if we um in this day and age had an affair and chopped up our well it depends because you've got the right following on social media that tell you that argue that you didn't do it yeah. and you could video yourself actually doing it and they'd argue it was fake because people are like that yeah it's that's the world we live in <laughs> um yeah we'll find out that Oh, God, I didn't put his name down. But What's-His-Face is coming home, or at home, and Ruth appears, and she's just berating him. Walter is, yeah. Walter is uh, frozen fear. Um, yeah, he's, she, like, comes home from her class, and she says, it's not a class. Um, it's a life experience yeah. with the professor. Uh, and what sort of... I wonder what sort of life experience she was having with the professor. <laughs> well, that's for you to put your um, your mind to, isn't it? But uh, she gets that armband thing, doesn't she? Uh, bracelet. Yeah. Um, so perhaps he was knocking her off. And, uh, and told I, her I, that. I would it's say 100%. I would say 100% that's what happened. She's accusing him, you know, and... Uh, He's had an affair and she's berating him for it, and then she's right out partying and just yeah. making his life a misery. But rather than divorcing him, she's like, Nah, I'm not letting you off that easy. I'm just going to make your life hell. Yeah. But what a present to give a woman, isn't it? If, if I said to my ex wife when I was married to her, I've bought your fridge freezer <laughs> present, I would have been like killed, you know. Um, <laughs> or freezer, <laughs> wasn't it? Chest freezer. Yeah, one of them chest freezer, and you're like, Really? That's yeah. That's an event. Oh, there's Chris on as well. Greetings. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Chris, just for you, Chris. Chris, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Jedi look, just for you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck those star things. Um, yeah. How simple minds are amused. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this um still wasn't as bad as June Collins one. Let's be honest. Uh, this I, actually was all right. Um I thought it was I mean there, there were things wrong with it, but it's it's like everything, uh, you know, if you're entertained by it, you don't really care about the Exactly, you're not you're not going to nitpick. Um, if you're yeah. if you're engaged with the story, so straight away we know he's had an affair in the past. He's also latched onto her for her money, so mm. he's a bit of a grifter. Um, they've got problems, but she's not letting them go. So there's resentment there as well, and she's using every opportunity to torture him. And I do suspect she's having it all for their professor. Hence, yeah. why she's gonna. I mean, if she kept going, she'd be getting like other wee bracelets and necklaces. You know, what I mean, she get the whole set for you yeah. know <laughs> services rendered. If that makes sense. And she's doing it to rub it in his face. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I like how he 
how he disposes of her, though. He says, oh, I bought you this free chest freezer, and I've got you something else. Smack. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. No, well, I, I just, the yeah. thing is, though, that is believable. Yeah. Like, look when we look at the last one, look at um, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Mm. And look at that first episode with Joan Collins. She just bobs him in the head for absolutely no reason. Yeah, and you don't know what it is. And there's no um, context. You don't know, is the insurance policy really worth that much? Yeah. If you're but already living a comfortable lifestyle. You tend to think that there's, the marriage is fantastic on that one because, um, you know, he wrote that lovely card on her Christmas mm. present. And you think, oh, you know. Yes. So yeah. there's there's a there's two comparable stories, mm. in a sense. Um, but that's before I got all the groundwork. Mm. And he's called Bonnie. And he's talked here just before Ruth comes in, so we know the plans of food. So it's all laid out, and that's all done within a few minutes. Yeah. But well, there's that little bit of comedy in there because he's he's there in in the living room after he's cut her up, and suddenly this head <laughs> rose in, doesn't it? And you think, oh, I was trying to work out how you would do that. Do you wiggle your ears or yeah. use your lips or what? Yeah. yeah. Um. But I had to laugh though. Like you're saying, there's no blood, but I just love the way it was done in butchers. Uh, twine and just everything perfectly tied and neat and <laughs> wax paper and yeah. um, we're just saying before we went later if uh, things hadn't went the way they did he could start up a college for serial killers and go okay folks <laughs> here's how you do it because look not a drop spilt no blood <laughs> and everything's all nice and neat and you can just dispose of your body parts there yeah yeah um... Because by even cutting the head off, you're going through the carotid and the uh, jugular. Yeah. And there's splatter patterns, as they call them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it would have instantly gone. <laughs> um, but no, nah, not, not, not with this guy. He's fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, Bangles the stories in my latest book now, because I'm <laughs> going to have to do away with all the blood splattering in the yeah, top. Once again, back to the back to this. This is being told through the lens of a patient. Mm. So, was there a body? Was there not a body? Yeah, you don't know. You don't. Was there even a roof? Yeah, you don't know. Did Did Bonnie actually chuck him in the freezer? You know, yeah, you you, you don't just know. don't know. That's and that's what that's the beauty of the unreliable narrator because that casts that doubt, and then you can forgive things because there's no way. Like it looked ridiculous. Let's be honest. The the body parts like moving on their own and her actually ah you know as a leg inches toward what the hell's a leg going to do on its own? Yeah, but even even down as far as you know t to her, all the body parts were after her. But mm -hmm. to him, all he had was the head. And then when he looked in the, the freezer, wasn't it? This hand come up. Oh, and, and so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. But once again, her. this is her account of it. So did it happen? Yeah. 
and that's what you got to keep in the back of your head the whole way through this and that's what um that's why that's i love the setup of this this has been the best setup you, apart you from the final one you could think differently to me on, mm -hmm. on what happened and that that is the the genius really of, of robert block's stories yeah because it's left for you to and that's a good story. you take away what you take yeah, yeah. Uh, none of us are right because I don't think even Robert Block rightness would have been, you know, would tell you what was right because once again, it's unreliable narrator. It's the deranged person telling the story. So mm -hmm. are they lying to themselves about what happened to justify? Did this even happen? Don't forget, there's no medical history. Uh, Max tells him, Doctor Martin, no, you'll only see the case notes after you've made your choice if you get the job. Yeah. So nobody knows at this point what's happened. It's all for a game. Yeah. And plus, Max wouldn't have had the notes because he's an orderly. Yeah. So he wouldn't have medical notes either. So mm -hmm. it's all... Um, the only person that would actually confirm or deny would be Rutherford, would be able to give what the circumstances were, how yeah. Bonnie actually came into the... Yeah. Or was she Bonnie? Or was she Dr. Starr? That's, you know... Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, There's too yeah. many there. That's what I mean. It's, um, yeah. it's done so cleverly, so... Yeah, I I actually um, I actually guessed uh, right in the beginning who that uh, the orderly was uh, was Doctor Star, and something just told me told it about me. But that's yeah, that's it was just too right. too jovial, too um, yeah. and he was too much of a big character. And the other the big thing you have to remember as well, you will do five interviews. Yeah. Yeah. You're given the clue at the start. This is, this is a bit of a murder mystery. It's actually um, quite cool. Like There's so many lures of this, and yet on the surface level, if you weren't paying attention, it would just seem like a daft movie. Yeah. Yeah. In it's, fact, how disappointing would it be watching these in order and then watching this and then going to the next one? If you, yeah, if you look um, at the, the next two films, they were all separate stories. Mm-hmm. They weren't the only thing that joined, like uh, on beyond uh, from beyond the grave. The thing that joined it was, um, you know, Peter Cushion in the antique shop, and the, the antique shop joined them. Yep. Whereas the, the two before that, they were they were, just they, were they, they were in the vault, but it was all different stories, and they didn't even, you know, relate to each other. Were these? They're in an asylum, and, and the stories relate to. Yep. Which is what you do. Um, to why they're in there. Um, you know a good anthology has a through line. I've said, uh, I think I said it, you know, in books. You know why anthologies are a big thing with um, indie publishers? Yeah. Well, press. But if you have an anthology and it doesn't have a good through line, you're, you're just jumping. You know what I mean? One story jumps yeah. and jars, and that's why they're not popular, because people don't understand that you have to have that cohesive thread. Mm. And if you don't have it, then... Mm. You're on. I tried to do it with Tales of Horror Madness because I had them all circus themed. So I had everyone going to a circus or a or a sideshow or a, a freak show. You know, just that was the sort of theme that was that everyone went to visit a circus and then each mm. story happened. Yeah. But just <laughs> to put random stories together in a book and they're rattling about the place doesn't yeah. work. And it's exactly the same in film. If your stories are just going boom, 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 boom. You don't get invested. Yeah. Probably again, this this was uh, stories written by uh, an obviously good author because he wrote Psycho. 
mm -hmm. whereas the the next two were comics um and, uh, and it's just it's not the same see it works as a tv show mm. or the likes you know what i mean because we've seen creep shows very similar so when creep show yeah. did the anthology yeah I like they, that. it creep worked show. creep show and creep show too you know it worked because it was on the same you weren't trying to join it together they were just told us little um yeah little separate stories it's, it's a bit like um the old oh, British... as well we're getting everybody in tonight Tales of the Unexpected. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That I was, was tempted the half hour at some point. Half hour episodes, wasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, some really creepy episodes, too. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I used and to. And it was watch. like daytime TV. That was pre Watershed. And yeah. like, uh, if I remember right, like, uh, there's one about a wee girl getting followed by a man and she goes into a house. Yeah. And then it turns out it's the wife. <laughs> Of the man, <laughs> you know, you're like, this yeah. is a time you're going, whoa, didn't it? used to get shown after Coronation Street or something, that something like it was, but it was pre watershed, it was pre nine yeah. o'clock, yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember Tales of the Unexpected, but those you can get away with, you know, the likes of uh, Tales from the Crypt and uh. The Vault of Horror. That's the sort of format it should be in. Not this format. That's where they don't mix. Yeah. This is the right format and this is the right type of storytelling for this yeah. this film. Yeah. And the um the two comic ones should have been American. Mm -hmm. Should have been that that sort of film type. Yeah, because they don't mix the two sense of humor. It's, it's not one. one's better or one's worse. They're just they're different types of humor and they yeah. don't it's oil and water, you know. They don't mix. Mm. This this was very British, mm. um, and it gave the impression it was British, with, uh, British doctors, and that they, you know, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, the whole thing with like the first uh, story. There, there we go. We're, we're actually talking about the story. There's last time we were struggling to even talk. About <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, she's hitting these body parts, and they're going at a snail's pace. Now I know it's seventies filmmaking. Yeah. I know they couldn't like ramp it up, but the amount of time she missed a point blank range with an axe, yeah. <laughs> and and she was there uh, screaming, and this thing was going at like, like yep. this across her, you know. <laughs> I know it could have probably grabbed her, but <laughs> eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Half an hour later, um, yeah, it's a bit like that scene in um, with um, oh Austin Powers, wasn't it? Where he was stood there going, the steamroller was coming towards him, and he was going, No, like an half hour later, and six scenes ahead, he was still yeah. there going, No, but that mm. was um, that was uh, that was the technology though, because I can't remember the one, there's one I reviewed, and they tried to move at proper speed. Mm. And the camera, you could actually see it. The camera was having a fit. Because the real, the, 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 the 30 millimeter, 8 millimeter, was it 30 millimeter for cinema? Just couldn't keep up with the movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just looked really jarring. And so they have tried to do it in movies and it doesn't work. So that's why this slow, ponderous movement until digital, you know, it was, yeah. we got no, the first digital cameras. Yeah. But um, no, it was, um, I mean, it was. 
it gave that element of comedy to it um you know where you saw it and you but but again it made you think did this happen did it didn't it happen if it did happen um is she telling the truth or um because you know the body parts were coming so slow um yeah. you know did they really attack her um she could have really... dodged past them easily but yeah that, that's the beauty is this the story she's made up in her head to justify what she's done yeah I mean, it's such a. The story is so far fetched. Yes. You know, the mental patient was was telling the story, and you had to think: is it that far fetched that it was true, or you know, did it not really happen? <laughs> yeah, that's why the the unreliable narrator can be so much fun to play with. It's one of my favorite tropes, actually, because you can you can play with it in so many levels. Yeah. And you don't know what's going on. Um. I reviewed Waxwork a while ago. Yeah, I reviewed Waxwork. It was it was a it was a fun movie until the final fight scene. I just descended into farce. But for once, I had a instead of just. I think I've seen it. I've seen it a long time ago. Because funny enough, mannequins coming to life. We're going to talk about next in the weird Taylor. Yeah. Very Um, um, Doctor Who like, wasn't it? Yeah, this is actually my favorite one. Because it was a, it was a, it was a folk tale. This could have been a folk tale. This could have been said at any time in history. Yeah, yeah. You had that um, poor tailor, wasn't he? he? Couldn't pay his rent, and then suddenly this bloke comes in and offers him two hundred quid to make him a suit. Yeah, make a suit. And of course, if a Mister Smith comes in and yeah. gives you gives you a strange material you've never seen before, and tells you you can only work in this thing at certain times and. 12 till 3 in the morning. I'm surprised to light a few candles or something as well, you know what I mean? Just to, yeah. no, you're not you're not performing a magical ritual, but, you know, just do the special things. It's like getting a gremlin, getting a mogwai, you know. Was, um, but you see his look on his face when he got told he had to work at night. He said, but I've got to work at night, sort of thing. Yeah, here's £200. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, um, Hang on, you've no customers during the day, any roads, that's why you can't pay your rent. Yeah, sleep in, work at night. <laughs> but um, you can kind of forget. That's a good, you know, I mean, it's a good premise. He's just trying to, you know, act surprised and not. Yeah. I did, yeah, I didn't get his. Uh, I didn't get the reactions. Like, oh, happy days. Yep, I'll work at night. No problem. You know, you had a attack a little bit of gusto, but I think they were trying to portray him as like a poor downtrodden person yeah and i think he might have just overacted that a bit mm. yeah he's plus, he... let's be honest he was acting next to peter cushing so i would jibber a bit yeah <laughs> just say you're how do we oh here's we acting. oh by the way you're acting next to peter cushing you know <laughs> that, that <would> be me. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um Peter Cushing's just Peter. I love the shadow. I love when he entered the door and the way they did the lights for the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. The um the shadow was, was so uh over done that when he was uh in with his son, you could actually see the shadow of a boom mic. Uh you know, when his son was in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, I that. Because it was dark, and you can actually see the shadow come over of the boom. You don't actually see the boom mic itself. 
you actually see the shadows. So, yeah, but um, you know, you don't really care. No, it's, because uh, once again, if you're telling a good story and you're invested in it, you're going to forgive things. Yeah. It's when you don't get a good story that's when you nip. That's when you start diving in, going, right, "What else have I got wrong?" And you, you yeah. start ripping it apart. But I, I, this was my favorite uh, story of the four. Yeah, because the the setting of that, even though was, he got dropped off by a black taxi, and that this London looked very Victorian era. Yeah, still had that Victoria era look. Like London now is an absolute abortion. Yeah, like it looks horrible. Yeah, this it looked like I tell you what, it looked like one of those old um, tailors that you would find in the same street as from Beyond the Grave with the mm -hmm. antique shop. Yeah, it, that, that sort of feeling, wasn't it? But, you expected to be down the road from you know. That would have been oh god, how clever would that have been? Well, the from Beyond everything the road. took place in the same alley. Yeah, yeah, they could have done that. Couldn't they? That would have been brilliant. That would have been you know yeah. so clever. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, shame. <laughs> I don't think they realized they were doing a series of anthologies. I think it was just a thing, but um, uh, if you're gonna go back, they probably a bit like Star Wars. Um, they probably made the first one with that's not ruin the review. We're actually having fun here. Come on, so with the hope, with the hope that it made money, and then they thought if it makes money, we'll do a second one. And if that makes money, this is why I think that this might have been all right because they made a, a, the next one and the next one and the next one. Mm -hmm. You know, if if they had failed on on this or the one before this, and um, they wouldn't have gone any more in, in no, the same um, anthology type of thing, because you know one of the producers would have would have said, "Hey, no, we're not making any more anthologies because uh, the last one didn't make any money." Um, I would imagine this would be about the because what was the one hundred seventy thousand for the other one? So I imagine, yeah, maybe slightly less. Yeah, because you might you know as the thing goes budgets go up, so I would say probably around about the hundred mark. Yeah, mm. just you no, know, it wouldn't be um, or wouldn't be massive. Or was it was it less? And they thought I would say less because this one done well. We can increase the budget for the next one. Yeah, so it's yeah, hundred and seventy or less. So I wouldn't say it'd be that much. Just a shame that we couldn't find the information. Yeah, but yeah, this is um, you kind of twig on what's going on because he keeps mentioning his son. Yeah, and the suit, and you're like, yeah, the son's dead, and he's, he's using dead. the suit to bring him back to life. Yeah, what I didn't understand was how did bringing his son back get him his fortune that he spent. Yeah, <laughs> how's everything going to be all right? Where was this money coming from? <laughs> um, was he going to sell the suits? <laughs> yeah, or yeah. was get you one of these? Know where the, did his son know where the, the mattress was? Whether the rest of the money was stashed underneath, yeah. <laughs> or was he just in you know, had he just lost himself to grief? Yeah, yeah, or once again, the unreliable narrator was, um. He just making a funeral suit, and he said he couldn't pay him till the weekend or something. Then he killed him, mm, yeah. and then invented a you know a story in his head. Yeah, or was he Doctor Star? You know that's yeah. technically you're not meant to know. You know, if you, especially back then, you wouldn't have. How, how unbelievable is it? Oh my, 
my mannequin came to life because we put the suit on him instead of putting it on the the guy it was made for yeah and and uh, he came to life and started strangling me but that didn't that didn't make any sense because well, he, he did, did attack the daughter didn't he because um the daughter was the one who put the suit on him he came to protect um anna was it yeah he came yeah. to protect anna because he was like cracking up at her but yeah. that was another thing as well because he he goes and um obviously he's in his last rope he's about to get kicked out of his shop yeah which also he lives in and uh he's sort of in desperate state and then when Mr. Smith tells him, oh, I'm in the same position as you because I've spent everything on this book. Yeah. And I don't know. Oh, and give me the suit. It's like, well, what did you think? All you have, right, you have no right to the suit because nobody's yeah. benefiting me anyway. It's tailored. Yeah. It's, it's a tailor-made suit, so it's not going to fit anybody else. And if, he, if he gave him the correct sizes... He must have had the same, the correct size mannequin because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mannequin perfectly. Yeah, so. you'd almost think it was the same actor. Yeah, yeah you never know. And two roles. Yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> it was the son anyway. Bruno. Yeah, I think I think it might have been the. Oh, I'm I'm listed. Yeah, I think it might have been the same actor <laughs> playing both roles. Just the. Yeah. Up a bit, yeah. And um, yeah, but, was, uh, I enjoyed that. But he came back absolutely freaking out, and he just mentioned that he uh he killed someone. And then when he tells Anna to burn the suit, she it's not even as if she didn't uh she refused to burn it, she actually goes like she's freaking out the fact that she needs to call the police, yeah. And then instead of going put it in the fire, she then goes and dresses the mannequin and then completely forgets that she's freaking out and about to call the police, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like. What's going on there? But then again, he's telling it from his perspective. So yeah. is he just making it up? And is this his mania? You know, yeah, it's a really good get, it's a really good get out clause, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the it's the originality. It's like I said, I love the stories because they were original. Mm -hmm. and... Yep, and then um, I liked the next one, but it was so obvious. Uh, Lucy comes to stay. Yeah. And the other one gets blamed for the again makes you think did it or didn't it happen? Who 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 stuck the pair of scissors in in the chest? And uh, well, that's what was explained actually yeah. with the final scene. Yeah, yeah, but at the time mm -hmm. you wondered who done it. And... No, because honestly, um, the way she came in, it's obviously she's had a breakdown. Things have been happening, yeah. and she's only been. Like almost conditional release from the, the nurse the got, got sent to uh, the hospital, didn't she? So who made the phone call and uh, just to send her to the hospital when she didn't yeah, really? People with um, people with schizophrenia can completely change. You know, it's yeah, it can completely change their voice with their personality. Mm. You know, I mean, it's a complete. You know, there's loads of conditions like that, so it's not completely out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just um she come back, she's acting quite dirty. Um 
and then when we see Lucy, you know, it's Brad Ackland and she's absolutely glamorous, you know, dressed as if she's out for a Saturday night. Mm. The middle, you know, just appears. Um, you know it's a figment. Like this one was the, the most obvious of them all, if that makes sense. To me anyway. Yeah, because she was just talking to she she was hoping that Lucy was gonna be there, wasn't she? And mm. you know, um brother, wasn't it? Was saying, No, it's not gonna She's not anymore. She's not there anymore. And then suddenly she takes those pills, doesn't she? And then um, oh, she's a drug addict as well. We'll find out. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't understand why they hadn't. If she's a drug addict and she's had a mental breakdown, and he, he's gone as far to hire a nurse for the time, why didn't they scar the room? Mm. Like you would have cleared the room out, all the drawers, everything from top to bottom, and searched. Yeah. I think if she was a drug addict. They, they would have put her in. A, back then, they would have put her in a uh, some type of unit anyway, wouldn't they? But well, that was the thing. She was getting out on conditional release. Yeah, that was the whole point. She was there, wouldn't they? The they were giving her a trial, and uh, she was getting a full time nurse yeah. to see if she could reintegrate. And if yeah. she couldn't, she was going straight back in. Yeah, she couldn't. <laughs> Obviously, it was so and the bad things that happened. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, it's just probably my least favorite out of the four. Uh, I would say the next one oh, was because it wasn't really we didn't we didn't really get a payoff. Oh, no, I, I did like your next one. Yeah. Herbert Long, brilliant, but it completely but it completely deviates. Um, but. Anyway, we'll finish off with this. We know Lucy's a figment because at the end, and mm. back when we go back to the the ward, she points at the mirror and we see Lucy looking back, so we know it was all her. So Yeah. Yeah, because she's she's in the on the bed, isn't she? And she goes, yeah. Lucy's there. Look, look. Yeah. And I was thinking, Where? <laughs> yeah, but it's you know, that that one was a bit obvious. Um yeah. the problem with the next one, because we'll go into mannequins of horror and this is where we meet Baron. Mm. Oh, but don't get a story. No, we'll just, just go into the room. He shows his uh, mannequins, his dolls, you know, yeah. and he talks about his idea. Then it gets interrupted. Mm. So we don't get a payoff. But the Doctor Rutherford was saying he's he's. Um... Totally loony, wasn't he? But, uh, yeah, but that was afterwards. Yeah. And, so this um, completely breaks. Robert Powell thought he was a bit of a genius at first. He mm-hmm. thought, you know, he's, he's made these dolls, um, you know, that um, uh, very lifelike, aren't they? But, uh, yeah. And this is the point where, if you didn't know that Max was Dr. Starr, because we were told he'd be interviewing five patients, Mm. And there's only four. Yeah. And then he goes back down. Comes up to uh, to see Max again, doesn't he? Bang. No, but this is um, after. Don't forget, he goes down to speak to Rutherford. And yeah. that's where he starts giving the lecture about how this is disgraceful. Why aren't we actually treating the patients? Yeah. You're just rocking them away and forgetting them. Mm. And uh, that's what the whole that debate. And then Baron decides to actually activate one of his dolls, which. Yeah, this is about this is why I don't like this one because this is completely out from the rest. 
it's bringing the sci-fi supernatural aspect where up to this point it's been a psychological thriller yeah and then this brings a completely random element in which does not fit with everything else is um I, I thought it gave the impression that this guy was um he, he claimed to be a doctor didn't he he says i'm mm. a doctor as well um and he was trying something new um so you know um I, I i this is where i i looked at it he was trying something new and he was using robotics and um, as that something new and he was putting like he put some type of body part didn't he in, yeah, in because he replicated the, the human organ you know human yeah, organs, the uh, yeah and i i thought it was i came with it from that point of view that yeah um, that would be fine in its own episode yeah. or something completely different but the fact is everything's had a theme up to this point mm. And then this one just completely derails it. Yeah. And that's where I, that's the bit I find annoying because this was it, was it uh, a thing to derail it? To me, it was a red herring. It was meant to be a red herring. Number four, did it do it to make you think that number four, because he was a doctor who was invented things, was Doctor Star? Yeah, I know it was done like that, but mm. um. Just the way, and especially when we see Rutherford get killed, and the way Rutherford went on about Baron, that one, um, like with real venom, it wasn't Star, you know what I mean? Mm. And he's showing his own bias, if that makes sense, towards, you know, whatever happened. I think we needed to see hear his story. We didn't hear his story. No. And that's where, like I said, it just completely... Through the four... Yeah, and if he had of if Baron had told the story how he came to be there, and then before he went to see the fifth one, Martin had went downstairs, that would have worked. This is the bit where it doesn't because just then um, the pace just ramps up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. uh perhaps he, perhaps he, you didn't hear a backstory because his main thing was to kill Rutherford, wasn't it? He just. But he could have done that any time. You know, could he? Because he was locked up. And we all, all know that Rutherford didn't go upstairs much because Max had been replaced by um, Dr. Star. Yeah. Which also doesn't make sense because he was just, you know, why was he still up there? Yeah. And not or why didn't he let them out or why didn't he... And where like, was it? This is the bit with Baron where this thing does come off the, the where, tracks. Where was it. where was room number five? Because the one that they found the dead first body. was the orderly's room. Yeah, Emma had one, two, three. Yeah, but he said um, one room was his office, didn't he? Yeah, that was the first. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah. On the left. No, that was on the right. He's, he's, if you notice, he when he was going down, he went, "That's my, that's my office." And yeah. I was thinking when Martin run down, he was running towards the door, and like, yeah, well, it could have been left or right, but we, we skipped the door anyway, and we went yeah. to the second one. That's where we met Bonnie, and there was six rooms, so there was enough rooms if that makes sense for enough patients and a an office. Right. Um, I just don't like the way. This just derailed from the formula. Yeah, it was, it was my mm, second favorite. No, my third favorite scene. This one, 
because I liked um, Peter Cushing. The first yeah. one, this one, and then the one with um, Lucy was my least favourite. Hmm. Yeah, it was a bit, um, like, I didn't hate it, but it was... No, I liked it. Out. It was just spelt out, you know, there was no drama or tension. Yeah. Everything was laid out for you. But then the Spence, you know, I mean, that was so laid out and quick. Mm. Barons was the one that they just completely broke from the formula, and that's what I think irritated me about because there was no need. Just mm. have Baron tell a story and then have Martin stop before meeting the fifth one, and then yeah. you're still wondering. Yeah, because he, he he didn't know really, did he? He just wanted to resign and get out of there. Yeah. Um, or not even resign because he wasn't taken on. Just said I'm going back to London. Didn't yeah, he's not interested. Um, yeah. And then to have him actually get killed by uh, Baron's model. Mm. I, I don't know what that did. That's the thing. That's that's about himself scratching my head about what did it do to this story? Because I suppose you could say why did he want to kill him? Well, you can you can tell there's hatred between the two of them. You know, there's actually there's not professionalism. Rutherford hates him as well. Like he's the the taste, the taste he has when he speaks his name. Yeah, I suppose he, he says wants to he he's completely insane or something, doesn't mm -hmm. he? He wants to lobotomize him, sure. And also, yeah. who carries about like he's in the admin office? Why has he got scalpels down there? Yeah, but uh, um, you take the. Uh, you don't take the scalpel out and leave it on the side. You keep it in, in your box, don't you? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah. Um, strange. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that just ramps up and escalates. Um, yeah. There must have been, been a reason, but... Um, well, we needed Martin to rush back upstairs again. So when the doll kills Rutherford and then he stamps on the doll and he sees yeah. all human organs, that's the reason for him to run back up to the ward again. Yeah. And then Max comes out and says, oh, he's been completely crushed. You know, so that's the whole idea to completely throw you off guard. Yeah. I get the purpose of it. I just don't think it was that well done because it just completely doesn't fit with everything else that's been happening up to that point. Yeah. This shouldn't have been like a fast action movie. It should have been like a sleek psychological thriller and then, then boom, the reveal comes out of nowhere. Mm. I just think that the sci-fi thing adding it in just didn't... It just took it off in another direction. That should have been in its own... A different anthology, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I quite like the, the thought that, you know, this Doctor... Might have been a genius, mm. um, and he invented robots, and um, you know that could have proved. Um, yeah, but with this anthology, I just don't think it fits. That's that's my thing yeah. about it. Yeah. That would be perfect in another anthology with this similar vibe, but because of what we've had so far, it just it seems like it just went off on a tangent. Yeah, pretty much like a podcast all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just where I had a problem with it because it's like it just went off in a complete, you know, off the left somewhere. Just <laughs> yeah. and then we came back when 
Martin ran upstairs because it's like, uh, oh, right, he wanted to see what happened to Baron. He sees he's been killed and then he goes to the office, the ring, I think, to call the police or something. Mm. And that's where the reveal is that um, uh, Max is Dr. Star because the orderlies, <laughs> like, under the blanket. <laughs> He really lost it. The well, not the only uh, Doctor Star, didn't he? At the end, mm. his, his laugh was way OTT, wasn't it? it was, <laughs> you know what? That is one of the best horror laughs I've heard in a long time. And I remember, you know, that's what, it was that point when I saw it come up. I'm like, I have seen this. That was the point. I'm like, I have bloody seen this before. How did I forget watching this movie? And then that laugh was oh, epic. Yeah, it, it gave the impression that he was. Gone, totally loopy, wasn't it? Yep, he was because he was there thinking, <laughs> I couldn't even copy it. I was like, No, um, proper laugh, like I that was brilliant. Um, they see, you know, Jeffrey Bowden, like I said, was Cat Weasel, and um, the guy in um, oh, the Scarecrow one with John Pertwee. Mm. He was he was good at, at voices in Cat Weasel and things like that. They they probably cast him just for the sake that he could laugh like that, <laughs> uh, you know, because he uh, he was uh, he used to do things like that in Cat Weasel and and uh, oh, what was the scarecrow thing called? Without Sally, oh, God, oh Wurzel Gummidge, Wurzel Gummidge, yeah, yes. yeah, so, uh, yeah, he was. Um, he was in that as well. But, um, yeah, no, that's that, that my OTT. Famous horror laugh. Um, but there's so many. You know I mean, there's a... <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the insane... <laughs> or, what was that? Is it safe? <laughs> you know, what was that? What, what was that film called? With a dentist? I think Flutter yeah. Price was in that one. I don't know. Um, no idea. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, Marathon Man, yeah, Marathon Man, yeah, hmm, yeah. I'll need to watch that again. That's been ages. Well, that that wasn't the one with was it Dustin Hoffman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dustin Hoffman. Albert in it as well. Have you seen my impression? I think Albert Hill's in it as well. Have you seen my impression? No. Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> this, this has been going on all day, folks, by the way. <laughs> so I'm going to bed after this with a headache. <laughs> yeah, there's... Um, I'll have to get the I'll have the look goes up iconic horror laughs. Let's see, we'll do that sometime. Actually, we'll just do a, a random stream. We'll do pick do out a, all the all the um, horror laughs. And... Yeah, and then do like a top ten. Yeah, there mm. we go. There's a mission. But yeah, we'll go we'll go back to the asylum a couple of weeks later, and there's another doctor planning for a post. Yeah, and uh, how did he get uh, through the gate? Was was the gate man still there? Or... Yeah, the gate man's completely oblivious. Uh, yeah. 
Well, sure, he's the security guard, so all he's concerned about is his bit. He doesn't give a toss. He's the gate man, so that's what he worries about. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, here's your money. You just stand there at the gate. Um... <laughs> and it's like, um, are you paying me anymore to care about what's going on in there? No. <laughs> so I'll just stay at the gate, because I know that's an insane asylum, so I'll just stay at the gate, and mm-hmm. I'll just make sure people have ID or on the list. They're coming in. Job done. That's that's why I would think about it. Yeah. <laughs> busy. Yeah, when when the second applicant came in, I thought, "Where's the gate man?" <laughs> no, no. couldn't afford to have him for another scene. <laughs> no, it's probably an extra. budget. One of those fifty quid extras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? But I enjoyed this one. This was cool. I'm glad because I was getting worried because there was two in a row that were absolute stinkers. Yeah, um, uh, as I said, the only thing that, that let it down was the opening music. And some people, when they see um, things like that, it, you know, it's that it's that thing about first impressions. Mm-hmm. You see uh, the opening scene with with music like that, and you think this music just doesn't fit uh, a film that's supposed to be horror. Yeah, you think, oh god, what's it going to be like? Um, and that was unfortunately I, I do watch the first sort of 20 minutes of a, a film anyway so but my initial impression was oh my god this music what's this film going to be like because the, the next two are absolutely terrible uh, is this one going to follow you know be the same um, but uh, then when it, it went into it I thought mm, it's, it's quite good you know the first 20 minutes have impressed me Let's carry on watching it. Yeah, um, but then we know why because they're just they're just picking free music. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I'll give something a, a bit, um, and then especially with TV, if I can't get through the first episode of a season, I'm done. Yeah, there was somebody. Yeah. Um, I never answered their thing because I don't know how to. Somebody had a go at me because I tried to watch a TV show. I didn't even get the full first episode. I just I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And then an article popped up, and I'm like, oh, I completely forgot about that show. So I thought, of, here, let's do a five minute review. Um, on the article, which is about the TV show. So I I just did it, and I I said during the thing that well, I'm not a fan of TV anyway, but I'll give things a go. But this I didn't even get through the first episode, so I never watched it and forgot about it. And it turns out nobody else liked it, you know they cancelled it. Yeah. And I was just surprised to see the name pop up again. And I just did the article because it was, you know, there. Yeah. And someone's like, you're, oh, your contrary opinions about TV shows and that. And who, how are you, how are you objective? And I'm like, just give them the opinion and stuff. What's the bit being objective? Yeah. I'm not kind of a scientific study. It's a fucking TV show I just didn't like. I didn't say you had to <laughs> not like it. Not like it or like it, yeah. 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 I just never bothered answering. I'm like, how the freak do you answer something like that? That's mental. Is it me and Co? We got totally different taste in in TV. Mm. Films are, you know, um, but uh, TV. Uh, he'll sit up there watching TV. I'll be down here uh, most of the time because I just. But that's his. That's his choice, you know. Yeah, but you don't fall out over it. No, no. Well, and it's like we've we've disagreed about on this. And it's yeah, like, I've, I've that's murdered him. He's, he's hmm? upstairs on the sofa, dead. I've killed him. 
Yeah, that's it. You've he's in uh, soil and wrapping paper. Yeah, all the bloods and buckets behind you. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah. Overall, I did enjoy it. I was. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I did, and like I said to you, that um, the original stories all fitted together with this this sort of umbrella that uh, you know this this doctor had to. It was part of his interview process in the Antitoe yep. Doctor. That was a clever way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So there's a reason for the meeting. The, the other ones that were just thrown together were at least uh, the last one um, from Beyond the Grave. It's people visiting the shop. Yeah. So there was the, you know I mean, there was the three line and then they just spice it up a bit with a bit of a narrator, you know, Peter Cushing giving a narration. Cool. cool. But the, those other two just didn't work whatsoever. No, no, not at all. No, but there you go. That was fun. Um, so, we've got House yeah. of Blood, the House of the Drip Blood. Like, I, I'd give this one six out of ten. Six. Maybe six and a half. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not mind blown, you know. No. Funny drivers, but some of the executions are a bit cheesy. You know, it's like whoa. Yeah. And for that opening, that opening scene, yeah, that definitely loses two points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will give it that for its originality. He's willing to choke online trolls and hide them upstairs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> most of them upstairs, maybe some downstairs, you know. Probably, probably <laughs> where I buried them, Chris. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well. Uh, I just, uh, there's some strange folks out there, and I just. Still, yeah. sometimes yeah. just scratch my head. Other times I can let it go. You know, there's people say, uh, didn't like this, then like, oh, right, sorry, no bother, move on. But and then there's some people just come at me, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, there's someone that's a quick, um, when we did the deep dive for uh, let the right one in, in the episode, we discussed both versions of the movie and the book. Yeah, and someone asked in the comments. What do you prefer, the book or the movie, or what's your opinions on the book compared or the, this version compared to the other version? Like, the thing talks about all three. Did you, did you watch the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the title and go, I'll comment. Yeah. Good. How do you deal with that? That's <laughs> why I couldn't be a psychiatrist or a, a, a therapist. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, give your head a shake. Yeah. It's like the people who. Yeah, join- I've, done a, I've done a basic counseling course as well because I've. Um, I was in like a mentorship role uh year before last. Yeah. And I did, you know, a band and did a bit of extra study and did a few courses. Um but I realized very quickly I just can't that, that's not me. Yeah. Because eventually someone's just gonna come with the most Indian shite and I'm not gonna be able to keep a poker face. I'm just gonna be like, <laughs> go and wise up and get a because I just no patience. Yeah. The, um, but it's, it's like these people who join a book club and they don't read the book and they try to fiddle it by going and going, mm, yeah, yeah. Did you see that part? And then the part they're talking about is just not in the book. <laughs> I will show the tell online with movies and the, the, the ones I think they know about comic books jump on Wikipedia to get the thing, but they've never actually read stuff and it shows, and, but they've got all the opinions today. Like, really? What are you doing? Mm. I don't know. I'm I'm prepared to admit when I don't know stuff because yeah. what's it to me not to know things because I can learn. 
So it's like I said, I, I try to watch a movie when I'm discussing it with you three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did on this one three times, but it can prove a bit negative because it's when I do it the three times, I notice the mistakes. Now, Sampi's, like I said, I, I don't really care because, you know, filmmaking was really in its early days for special effects and things like that. And it's, uh, but, um, yeah, if it was a film of today, I would, oh, I'd blow it, you know. I'd <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I watch it three times and I find there's always something that you see it on the third time and then that you missed on the first. See, I come from these perspective, as we've talked about before, from the storytelling. Yeah. So I try to. I'm coming from just watch the movie. Want to talk about it? Yeah. I try to have that sort of freshness, and also I I type up notes, so I'm like watch it, type up the notes straight after, yeah. sort of have it in my head. That's that's what I've got on my iPad here. Yeah. Um, what I don't want to do is go back and overanalyze because then you lose the idea of the, the feeling. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I want the idea. Say, just come out of the cinema. Yeah, I'm trying to capture those sort of feelings about did I enjoy myself? Yeah, and why did I enjoy myself, or did I not enjoy myself? Why didn't I enjoy myself? Mm. And look at it purely from a storytelling perspective, because, like I said, if you if you get the storytelling right, everything else could be forgiven and falls into place. If you don't get the storytelling right, you don't enjoy. You know, I mean, you, you just hate the, the existence of the thing yeah. and then you just the the mistakes are there to validate a bad story because you know it's bad it's when you when you come out and you think what the hell was that all about and it, it's mm-hmm. i still don't know what was going on in that hereditary it blew me um i just I had think... to pause that a few times because i was bored yeah like i couldn't watch that i had to pause and go and we... do stuff and come back like 10 minutes later because it was like we went. We went to see it at the cinema because it, me and the son went, mm-hmm. and because it was given five stars in total film, and they absolutely adored this film. And we went, and well, like I said, there was quite a lot of it that we we just laughed in, and the people down beside us on the left were kids, uh, you know, teenagers. They were laughing as well, and and I think certain people in in the, the cinema were. Um, sort of looking at us as if to say, "What the hell are you laughing at?" Well, it's a twenty-four. They are the most pretentious studio out there. Yeah, and it's the the crowd they're gathering as the the high art, you know, high thinkers. This isn't for you, type people. Mm. It was the same as um, Midsummer when Dell and I did Midsummer. We were laughing yeah. our bits off because there was just so much ridiculousness in it. Yeah. And I was trying to be scary at the same time as being already daft, and you're like, just <laughs> you couldn't take it seriously. But then that's um, was it made the, by the like, same people as it? Yeah, it's like twenty four is a studio. Um, yeah. That's why I wouldn't watch. There was one that came out there, talk to me or something was called, and I just couldn't. I just saw it. I saw the music. I saw the actors, and I'm like, nah, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's just you know, you have you have to be in a particular sort of mood to watch an A twenty four film. Mm, yeah. And if you're a pretentious twat, you'll love it because that's the, the audience are gearing for. Yeah. So, yeah, it's you no know, horses for courses and all that stuff. Mm. Although I did like X, that was done by A24. X, I like Max or uh, Pearl, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. 
So next up, we will be doing the House of Drip Blood. House of Drip Blood, 1971. And we'll get to see uh Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, hopefully in the same hopefully in the same scene, because if they're in different <laughs> different stories, I'll be annoyed because like come on, you can't have both of them in the same set and not be in the scene together. <laughs> No, those two players. It's, it's got to be a good film. Surely, yeah, I think we're going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. There's a flipping um, John. Is it John? No, not John Pertwee. It is John Pertwee, isn't it? John Pertwee. Yeah, you said yeah. Yeah. So we've yeah. got you know we've got a stellar cast of act actors in this. Um, and obviously this is the we're going the right trajectory. I think those two are blips. One yeah. of them tried to do those other two movies. I think we're well, maybe in the right thing. What else could you ask for? Count Dracula, Van Helsing, and Doctor Who in the same film. But there you go. Um, Steve, as always, mate, great to have you here. Yeah, uh, a lot of fun. Love talking about these. Um, some of them have been painful. Well worth, a, well worth a watch. Watch it. You'll be yep. surprised. These are all on the playlist now, so you can go and uh, catch up. Plus, you want to see him. Uh, he's on a playlist too. All his videos are together. I've been doing a lot of admin because I've been up from four o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm like this. <laughs> but there you go. Um, yeah, tomorrow, Chris and I are on. We're doing Tremors 6. I can't we're wait for Tremors 54. <laughs> we're getting there. We're, we're working slowly up. We'll, we'll, we'll be there by next year. Uh, for the... Uh, that's going to be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah. But um, just even to say, folks, um, thanks for tuning in. Go up to the other channel, do the tidy clicky things. And until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs> <laughs>